Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right, Seattle, happy sunny May Day. It's uh, Saturday night right here in downtown Seattle and all around the Puget Sound. You're tuned in to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and uh, your commodore of cocktails. So excited that you're joining me right here on 570 KVI. We're 6 p.m. on Saturday nights. If you ever miss a show, just check out our website, happyhourradio.net. Um, I've got two cool cats in the studio tonight. Uh, actually, one's Nicholas and one is Nick. Um, I got Nick Davis, who is the founder of MediumPlus.com. He's an event sommelier and a, uh, a mixologist, um, event producer, and uh, certainly on the way up. We're going to talk about deductive tasting methods. Um, Nick has a Kickstarter campaign, which just was fulfilled, and he's going to write a book about study habits and how to, well, how to be an MS or how to just to, to know more about wine and remember it. Um, my other guest is Nicholas Ferris, who um, started the Rum Collective. It is a, uh, a resource for everything you want to know about rum, production, cocktails, types, uh, distilleries, and uh, kind of a forum and events. Um, so we're going to chat about... The dark side of rum, I'm not talking about the color, I'm talking about the, well, the dirty little secrets that how rum production affects our world, and uh, I'm a big rum fan, so I'm excited about that, but uh, I also want to test my chops with my man from Medium Plus, Nick Davis. Welcome to Happy Hour. Hey, Chris. Good to see you, man. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we uh, had this opportunity. We've uh, been in the same circles for a couple of years, and we're always, um, you know, I never get a chance to sit down and just hang, and this is good to have a little evening opportunity. So uh, tell me how you got started into wine and spirits. That's a great question. I was uh, going to school at UW for jazz studies, and as I was finishing my degree, got into cocktails. A friend brought me to Zigzag Cafe here in Seattle. Oh, and yeah. Got hooked on the whole art of how cocktails are made. So when I graduated, I decided I wanted to be a bartender. And <laughs> <laughs> great idea there. Mom is proud. Yeah, sure. And I. Kind of, psychology, I think, right? Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> I, I faked my way into my first job. I kind of convinced the guy I'd read a cocktail book and knew how to be a bartender. And that was not true, uh, that I may have known how to make a drink or two, but bartending is a lot more than that. Yeah, you like him on the rocks, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, what was your first gig, uh, first real gig where you felt like you were in command of the bar? That would have been at Lowell's in the Pike Place Market. Oh, wow. Yeah, so just down the road from where they throw the fish. Yeah, Piece yeah. in the water. It's uh, an iconic place, obviously made famous uh, well before that movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, John Hinterberger, I think, was always hanging out there, the old uh, Seattle Times food critic, and uh, that takes me way back. So um, the Lowell's was great. I'm sure you had a lot of tourists. What was your special cocktail there? Yeah, we did one called the Berry Fizz Fizz. That was an original of mine, and it was basically vodka and berry puree. Uh, I thought it was very crafty to have a fresh fruit puree. You yeah. Know, really pushing the the envelope with uh, the craft cocktail movement back then. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, after after Lowell's, I was very fortunate to get hired at Canlis, and that's when my interest in wine really took off. Oh, sure. Canlis, uh, world-renowned wine program. A uh, couple of master sommeliers have uh, passed through those doors and mm-hmm. elevated the, our industry, and we're proud of our Washington State guys. In fact, Shane Bjornholm is the uh, director of education for the Court of Master Sommeliers, and uh, Rob Bigelow is back in town mm-hmm. after a long, successful stint in Vegas. He's now uh, director of uh, wine education at Chateau Saint-Michel. Yes. Well, um, certainly I got the bug, and uh, Canlis is a one-of-a-kind place, and they have a great cocktail uh, um, program as well. It's incredible. They actually just remodeled their whole bar, and now it's a, a world-class cocktail bar, um, just like what you might see in London or Tokyo It has been totally kind of revamped, and and they're making some of the most incredible cocktails in the country. Yeah, it was the small one of the smallest bars in Seattle with mm-hmm. uh, just a few seats at there. Uh, well, this is great, and uh, we all aspire to have uh, kind of the recognition and service standards and knowledge uh, that Canlis uh, exhibits and shares. So, tell me about Medium Plus. Yeah, absolutely. So after my uh, my time working at Canlis, about two and a half years, I um, left there to focus on bartending full time and studying for the advanced exam. And upon passing advanced, I thought, well, I want to really pass on this knowledge that I've been so fortunate to gain and decided to, to start my own company. And I've wanted to do an entrepreneurial venture since I was young kid and it just felt like the right time to take the leap <laughs> you didn't uh wet that whistle with a lemonade stand or popsicles or something? Uh, no i mean going door to door selling popcorn as a boy scout might have been a yeah. a practice but that was slave labor man <laughs> i know uh kind of the only way to really feel committed to something for me is to jump all the way into it so yeah um, as they say sink or swim sink or swim and leaving the comfort of a, a steady job to do a new project was scary, but has proved to be a great source of creativity and inspiration. And, and uh, reward, because you're in charge, and uh, that's a good feeling uh, at such a, a ripe young age. Uh, speaking with Nick Davis, who is an advanced sommelier, a uh, bartender, a mixologist, and, uh, well, a founder of Medium Plus. And uh, the Medium Plus is a resource for wine service. Uh, what else? Bartending, and what else you got up there? Yeah, so I kind of describe it as events and education. So I'll do events in private homes, be like someone's personal sommelier or bartender uh, for them and their friends to do a party. And then education side, working with people and groups um, to elevate their wine knowledge, cocktail, uh, sophistication, uh, a lot of things with deductive tasting. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to someday, you know, continue my studies and go towards the MS uh, when that feels right. And so by teaching, I then learn and ingrain those topics at a much deeper level. So um, I'm, I'm getting a benefit by, by doing that as well. Yeah, that's the old adage is if, uh, if you can teach it, you can remember it, you'll know it. So, and plus we like, we enjoy sharing and uh, um, not that I like <laughs> listening to myself speak all the time. <laughs> I sound louder with headphones on for some reason, right. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm excited to uh, sit down with you and uh, you, you are working on a book about theory or strategies or what is that book yeah it's so it's it's written for the wine professional and not necessarily those taking exams but anyone who wants to elevate their their professional um, abilities with wine and the first part is actually going to be all about how to be a wine professional and have the the right attitude and uh, work within a community to to be a true professional and then I think that is the foundation for 
um, having the knowledge. And the, the second part of the book is how to study, have memory techniques and tasting abilities um, that are at a high level. So I compare it a bit to like martial arts where you can learn the, you know, five finger palm technique um, to destroy your enemy. But if you don't have the <laughs> discipline to use the, use the technique, it, it isn't good. So part one, learn the discipline, learn to be a professional. Part two, have the abilities. All right. I would just uh, say, come by and rail it. <laughs> <laughs> I can pull that together. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, jump into some deductive tasting methods. I know you and I, you and I have sat across uh, the table together for many occasion and uh, using the grid is what we call it as a sommelier in the court of master sommeliers. Well, I think it's like 26 boxes where we have to uh, fill in with verbally and we don't get to look at a piece of paper and uh, come to an initial conclusion and a final conclusion conclusion about uh, what grape it is, what region, climate, um, perhaps vintage range, mm -hmm. and quality level. Absolutely. And what I find is that that grid is a great way of assembling a very detailed description of a wine. And the actual deduction itself of taking those clues and leading it to what the wine is, it's only maybe a handful of those boxes that are actually helpful in figuring out the, the wine itself. So <laughs> um, in my own studies, I've, I've created my own kind of method of of using the grid and then stripping it down and making it very reduced so that we just focus on what makes the wine what it is and then that leads to a great conclusion. All so, right, so let me guess that's uh ripeness which would be fruit, alcohol and then structure. Yes. And then so you oak or no oak? Uh, well, for white wines, I start actually with aromatic intensity. Um, so we take our list of, you know, classic white grapes, there's about 13. And maybe half of those wines will have a high natural aromatic intensity. So things like Sauvignon Blanc or uh, Muscat have just a natural grape aroma. Yeah. And then things like Chardonnay and Chenin Blanc, they get aromatic intensity from winemaking uh, more so than the grape itself. So I split things like that. So if we smell this first wine. All right. So everyone, um, we're in studio and Nick Davis has three glasses of, of wine in front of me. They're poured blind. I have no idea what they are, <laughs> um, but these are considered what we call classic wine varieties or styles in classic regions so that uh, their typicity will um, be consistent from what we have learned and what we can taste today. So um, very nice stem work. First of all, what is this? this is a uh, Zalto, huh? Yeah. So these are Zalto. Um, my friend here in town, Eric Swickard, he um, is kind of the importer and distributor for for this glassware, and it's an Austrian made. I gotta um, talk to him then. Handmade stem, they're gorgeous. Yeah, it feels great. And yeah. so, um, when you talk to people about how to be a sophisticated wine drinker, you first start with the pinky out, right? <laughs> pinky out for balance, <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's do this wine. Take me through it. Okay, so um, smelling this wine, to me, it has an elevated aromatic intensity, uh, and I am thinking that that comes from the grape because the aroma is floral in nature, so uh, we're going to eliminate some of those neutral varieties. Yeah, so when we say deductive, it's really sort of checking or crossing things off the uh, the, the the wheel of uh, guesses. <laughs> yes, it's almost like a, a detective has to line up 10 suspects and then eliminate the ones that are innocent and then confirm the, the one who's guilty. So. Um, the first part is that aromatic intensity. Second is structure. So I skip smelling the wine and go right to tasting it. Mm, uh, medium plus acid, uh, moderate weight, and um, dry. Dry, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that dryness, if you have a sweet wine, that makes your world real small because there's only a handful of grapes that 
will be off dry in a classic example. Now, everyone out there, yellowtail Chardonnay is sweet, but we're not, <laughs> that's not in our lexicon. Yes. Um, so our world is still pretty broad here, but elevated acid, um, moderate alcohol. So then we look at fruit type. And most white wines will have a leading fruit type, maybe citrus, tropical, tree fruit, or stone fruit. Um, so to me, this has a lot of citrus. What do you think? I think it's citrus. It's very lemony, a uh, touch of stone fruit in there, and, and apple. It's got all of them. Yeah. It's a, Which it's a, makes it really challenging for white wines because you can't mm-hmm. go for the tannin and the color. It, all these wines are, are pale straw. Exactly. So the, um, the part that we do now is we try to assemble what could this be? Uh, we try to get like three or four suspects, and then we'll look a little bit deeper in the wine, mm-hmm. and that'll get to our, our conclusion. So with a, a wine with elevated acid that's aromatic, you know, we could be looking at a, a few different things. Do you have any, any clues? Oh, sure. So um, we talk about elevated acid. This is not necessarily high acid, but it's medium high. Kind of smoking okay, a medium plus, actually. There we go. We that's like where the name comes from. That's right. Um, so to me, when we – and the, the fruit is uh, – more tart and with that acid, so I think it it's not necessarily a very warm region, um, and uh, it has doesn't have a lot of texture from oak, and um, so I think this is an old world wine. Well, you know the old world wines all often have that tart, assertive um, texture and and uh, really lean. So this is a very surprising wine uh, because it is in fact a new world wine, uh. but. Presents um, presents like the yeah. old world style. Um, all right, so I'm going to say um, that's what, that was my concern because some regions like in Australia and even uh, uh, Washington, you can get old world characteristics. Um, so I'm going to say this is a Riesling from uh, Australia, Clare Valley, 2014, good quality. Wow. Well, Christian, I remember those days back when you were coaching me uh, and I knew nothing and that still seems to be the case that you're the boss. It is uh, a little bit younger, 2015, Pusey Vale, Eden Valley. Oh, Eden Valley. Eden oh, Valley. It. That's so just, it. Just around the corner. All right, folks. How about that? Uh, we did it. And I got my eyes open, but I'm tasting blind. So stick around, folks. We'll be right back with Nick Davis of Medium Plus on Happy Hour Radio. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Sommelier, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, it's uh, welcome back. It's time for round two. Hope you got something great in your glass or in the car heading someplace really tasty. Uh, I've got some tasty wine in front of me, courtesy of my pal Nick Davis, the founder of MediumPlus.com. Hey there. Advanced sommelier and uh, sharing his uh, his mad skills about deductive theory, it's going to be deductive tasting theory mm-hmm. and methods. And, uh, well, I'm one for one. Should I stop? <laughs> 100% so that's far. Right, yeah, that's, that, but that's not a pass, folks. So you you got to do better than that. Got to um, keep going. So we have uh, two red wines. So... Um, uh, Nick, let's talk about red wine tasting versus white wine tasting. Yeah, so when we look at a, a red wine, the first thing I look at is pigmentation. So how deep is that color? So on the very light end of the spectrum, things like 
Grenache and Pinot Noir, uh, very pale in color. On the opposite side, we have Malbec, Syrah, Cabernet Sauvignon, things like that. Um, so immediately looking at this wine, what what end of the boat are we on if we have to choose uh, one? We're or the going other? on the uh, uh, thinner skinned, uh, lower pigment grapes. This Absolutely, is, uh, just sort of a garnet color. Yep. And we use rubies as descriptors, rubies and precious metals, and uh, <laughs> there's some wacky descriptions out there, and it's yeah. funny to hear what the descriptor du jour is sometimes. Uh, so um, off the bat, I guess we can say that this is not Cab, not Syrah, not Malbec. Um, or if it is, it's a yeah. funny example. If it is 100 years old, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing. But uh, um, So talk. the color just gives us a certain idea, but it, we can't yet go down the track, but it certainly takes us to the left in the, of where these thin scra- skin grapes are. Yeah, so it gets us in the category of you know, Sangiovese, Nebbiolo, uh, Gamay Noir, Grenache Noir, Pinot Noir. So then, uh, smelling it and tasting it, again, I, I kind of skip the nose and go right to structure to evaluate really the, the bones of this wine of uh, how much tannin or, or bitterness does it have, uh, how much tart uh, acidity does it have, and, and where's the alcohol at, and those things put together tell us a lot about where it might come from. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to let you roll, and I'm going to take a smell. Um, so, def, it's uh, it's slightly earthy. It's uh, red fruit driven. Uh, the fruits are ripe: um, red cherry, little pomegranate, cranberry, and raspberry. Um, mm-hmm. There's a touch of herb or dry leaf in there, and uh, a um, moderate impression of minerality. I'm going to say this is uh, a sandy soil, uh, sandy soil kind of thing for um, dirt. Dusty dirt. Dusty dirt. Dusty dirt. <laughs> Not the wet that's dirt. A good, that's uh, called med. Dusty, Dusty dirt's a good country music uh, singer name. Yeah, that's too funny. I like it. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to take a taste. And uh, what do you think? Uh, tell me how How do we put that in perspective? So, Because when I, t- when I share my wine knowledge with some people, they always have questions. Well, um, it's sour. What does that mean? Well, okay. Right. So a wine that has a bit more tartness or sourness would come from a cooler place where the grapes aren't getting super ripe, unlike, let's say, California, which is super hot. Grapes get cooked in the sun. So this wine definitely presents more on that tart side and has um, a bit of that candied red fruit thing going on, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's moderate weight in the palate. Um, the acidity is medium plus. The tannin is just over medium. It tastes like um, really grape tannin to me. Um, I'm not getting a lot of vanilla or caramel notes. Uh, or toffee, uh, which would indicate some wood action. Right. Uh, a lot of times we use cinnamon clove, but you know, I think the toffee notes are, are probably more indicative of um, some of the oak. For me personally, uh, medium plus alcohol. Say it's in that thirteen five range. Um, moderate finish, moderate complexity. The wines and balance of fruit acid and alcohol. And um, this conclusion, based on the the sort of the fruits are ripe, but they're rather lean. They're just ripe. Um, acid and not a lot of new oak. I'm going to say that this is an old world wine from a moderate climate. Could be warm, could be just, you know, okay, or it could be a moderate, uh, cool vintage from a moderate climate. Mm. Um, the acid's not high enough for Sangio. It's not tannic enough for uh, Nebbiolo. Um, I'm going to say it's Pinot Noir from Burgundy, uh, from the Pinot Noir from France, <laughs> from Burgundy, from the Cote d'Or, um, the Cote de Nuit. We'll say that this is, hmm, oh, Gevry. 
Well, it is a Pinot Noir from Burgundy from France. It is a 2013 Mercury. Um, <sighs> Way up there. Yep. So uh, definitely a bit more of a fem- feminine, um, delicate style. Awesome. And Woohoo. Nailed it. Yeah, so, this is great. Doing good. Awesome. Okay, we have one more wine. One more and wine. then uh, we're going to welcome uh, uh, Nicholas Ferris, who is uh, with the Rum Collective. So we'll get to have you taste some rums and talk about them. Fantastic. So let's uh, let's try something here. I'm going to describe the wine and not let you taste it. Okay. And then you can tell me what you think it is. All right. Um, so looking at the wine, high density of color. It's opaque, uh, purple with a little bit of ruby. On the nose, a lot of ripe black fruit, uh, black currant, black cherry, um, black plum. A pronounced herbaceousness here, uh, cut grass, dried oregano, uh, cooked bell pepper. <laughs> There's a, a sharpness to the nose, almost like um, a touch of, of nail polish remover, not to a fault, but just within the style of the wine. There's uh, earthiness, like a turned potting soil, and uh, impression of cinnamon toast, baking spice, um, a touch of coconut, so this might have seen some use of new oak uh, on the palate. Fruits getting even more ripe on the palate. Uh, the wine is dry, but has this ripe attack, so there's this round, uh, full character. Uh, acidity is moderate, alcohol is high, uh, tannin is moderate plus. Wine is uh, well-balanced with a high complexity and a moderate finish. Um, Similar notes for fruit and non-fruit throughout. So um, feel free to ask some more details. Yeah, so you you gave me a pretty good picture here. Um, You said there was some herbaceousness to this grape, but it's also very ripe. So, um, and the alcohol is elevated. So when I think about that, you know, I did see the wine, the color, and it's pretty dark. Uh, What's the standing of the tears on the glass? You know, standing of the tears... If I if I tilt the wine down and rotate it in my fingers, um, the it's like high standing in the tears. There's, right. there's color clinging to that glass. Okay. Um, so when you have lots of color, that reminds me of really Syrah Malbec. Um, and you said it was a dark purple black or red black. You know, I'd say um, like a red red black. Mm, okay. Like so uh, purple is, is typically Syrah and Malbec, but red um, is probably more in the uh, Bordeaux grape variety camp. Um, you said something too that made me, you said cooked bell pepper. That reminds me, that note is, uh, those are pyrazines and we typically have um, very grapes that have high levels of that. And one is Cabernet Franc. So um, red, Cabernet Franc, ooh, God, I don't know. You didn't really talk about tobacco and ashtray and all that stuff. Um, I'm going to say it's a Cabernet Sauvignon. You, you said the tannin was pretty firm. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon from, oh, well, let's go. Was it polished? Is the wine polished? Well, at this point, why don't you taste it and, <laughs> and s- stick to your guns with where you're going and then try to take it to, to where it's at. Okay. Yeah, it smells like yeah. And at this point, when we're looking at, is this California? Is it somewhere else? You really have to look at your instinct and say, uh, you know, what's the character here? Um, it's pretty voluptuous and generous and polished. I'm going to say uh, this is a New World cab. Um, very clean. Uh, Got to kind of go with California because you said high alcohol, and, it's yeah, it's warming my belly. So let's say this is a 2013 Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon. Well, it is, in fact... From our uh, our home state here, this is a 2013 Columbia Valley Cabernet Sauvignon from 
inconceivable wine. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I got plenty of points there, and that's really polished for Washington, which I'm I'm so pleased to see, um, to know that our wine, uh, really the Washington wine industry, elevates our game every year, mm -hmm. and we've got lots of... Um, Lots of people who are into it. Well, really fun. Uh, so we had a Burgundy, um, a Eden Valley Riesling, Burgundy, a uh, Red Burgundy, and a Columbia Valley Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, this is awesome. So, Nick, uh, if people want to sort of learn more, is there a newsletter or anything or a website? Absolutely. So mediumplus.com is where you can find me and uh, and the projects that we're working on. We've got new stuff coming out all the time. Awesome. Hey, Nick Davis, why don't you stick around? We're going to try some world-class rum um, and enjoy the flavors, but uh, perhaps uh, give a little homage to uh, all the indigenous people that work so hard for that lovely elixir. Uh, MediumPlus.com, that's Nick Davis, and um, we have some events coming up. Uh, are you going to go to David LeClaire's uh, Rosé Revival on May 26th? Yeah, it's coming right up. Yeah, Ray's Boathouse. Um, yeah, it should be really, really fun. I will not be there because uh, I'm going to go to Vin Expo in Hong Kong oh, and check that out. You poor thing. Yeah, I'm gonna, my dad's joining me. He was born in Hong Kong, so uh, uh, I'll just have to try my uh, Ingoich. Maybe do some uh, <laughs> Mahjong and Kowloon while yeah. you're down there. Um, uh, Macau. Maca oh, yeah. yeah Macau. Yeah. I've been to Macau, and, uh, you know, I've they took all my money, and I swear they made me drink 10 drinks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Nick Plesso, stick around. we come back from this break. Hey, uh, do, you have any, do you have a Twitter handle? Yeah, it's at uh, NickyD206. At so, NickyD206. NickyD, yeah. All right, that's your personal Twitter then. I was yeah. thinking you had a at Medium Plus or something. Uh -huh, <laughs> I'm working on that. Okay. Um, and my Twitter handle is at Happy HR Radio. We also have a Facebook page for Happy Hour Radio. And of course, our website is happyhourradio.net. If you ever have a question or you want to suggest uh, some of the great guests we have on air, send me an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. And I'll be right back with Nicholas Ferris with the Rum Collective. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays, 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, uh, having a good old time, tasting wine, uh, deductive theory with my pal Nick Davis of MediumPlus.com. But uh, we're going to step it up and... Uh, Get a little higher proof in our glass. Uh, I've got Nicholas Ferris, who uh, started a cool little site. Um, apparently, it's the oldest in the country. <laughs> and uh, one of the, well, I would say one of the first, the <laughs> first, uh, Rum Collective. And I've got Nicholas Ferris. Hey, man, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you so much, Chris. It's great to be here. Yeah, so fun. Um, it's a great Saturday night. We're doing some wine tasting. And I am really, I love rum. I think rum is such a diverse grape or something i would do that okay <laughs> such a diverse spirit um because there's so many expressions and uh it has all the flavor of any other beverage like any other brown um but it's really to me much more interesting so how did you get into rum that's quite a long story uh cliff notes exactly so i was drinking it in the university uh university of washington where i where i got my doctorate in pharmacy and uh kind of grew on me after a, a plane trip over to australia uh i learned a lot about oh yeah rum. bourbon court rums 
<clears throat> and so, uh, yeah, the, the Bundaberg rum over there, and um, it kind of grew into a, a pastime, a passion, and then started out doing some writing, uh, some photojournalism. Last year, had a had a book published, Explore Rum, and uh, I do a lot of a lot of work locally and and internationally, festivals, tastings, competitions. That and you say so? You are a leading rum expert, then? I just like to think of myself as an educated consumer. Okay, well, very good. Um, are there any cert- certifications or schools? How does one ele- how does one become a certified expert? Mm. It's a tough job to gig, but it's a good one. Uh, there's, <laughs> there is, there is a few um, rum universities actually. Uh, Ian Burrell over in the UK does a rum university, and uh, there's also a rum university in the United States uh, down in Texas. So there are some schools. Texas, mm, yeah. really. I wonder if that's uh, our pals down there. Um, well, really cool. So Rum Collective is uh, is a group. It's a membership. Uh, what is Rum Collective? That's a good question. So the the Rum Collective, it started out as a website. It's a, a rum society, so I do lots of educational tastings, about one every month and a half, every two months in the area, and kind of network with local bartenders, local bars, bars that like rum, and bring some of the uh, community, uh, people who are interested in learning more about rum, to the table and and getting everyone together to talk about launch brands. In fact, the three brands that we're talking about here, I launched each of those expressions. Wow. And uh, and kind of facilitate a bigger awareness of the category, kind of raise the category. Yeah, I think it's one of those next categories that people, because we're talking about bourbon's the big craze, but it's how much wood do you really want in your, <laughs> how many splinters <laughs> do you want on your palate? And you're losing a lot of, to me, the character of the still and uh, the, uh, the true expression. So um, obviously there are, uh, there's white rum, amber rum, gold rum, dark rum, spiced rum, flavored rum, overproof rum, Bundaberg rum. Um, there's R-U-M and R-H-U-M. What's the difference? So the differences are just based off the language. When you talk about English rums, you're you're spelling it R U M. When you're talking about French rums, because they spell it a little bit differently, you know, it's the French R H U M. And when you're talking about Spanish or rums that come from Spanish uh, speaking areas, you're talking about R O N or Ron. Oh, so ah, really? So Ron Bacardi, exactly. <laughs> Ron Zacapa. Ron Zacapa. Ron yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I've had the Clement before, um, or Clément. Um, but uh, the Ron Caratavio Solera 12-year rum looks really tasty. And then Rum mm. Fire. I'm like, what is this? This is an overproof rum. Let's dive into these. Um, yeah. So you've got a white rum here. What is this? What am I supposed to do? This says Jamaica. Yeah, it's true, authentic Jamaican rum, straight out of Trelawney. It stays true to the style. Yeah, don't put it too close. 63%. So it's got a lot of proof on there. It's a 100% pot still rum. It's got a really long fermentation. So it gets a lot of esters forming. It's actually the highest ester rum produced. Really? So it's got a lot of bang for its buck, and it does great in cocktails, punches. Not something that you're probably going to be sipping neat, but with uh, the palates of, of you and Nick here, we can we can probably approach it. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, um, before we j- dive into the taste, um, what are the sources of uh, sugar to be fermented in most rums or in all the rums? So by definition, rum has to be made from the sugarcane plant or a byproduct of it. So when sugar was originally being refined, one of the byproducts was molasses, and they ferment that molasses, so they use that byproduct of sugar refining. They also, in French style... <coughs> 
using sugarcane juice. So they're fermenting the fresh pressed sugarcane juice to to get their wash and then distill from that. Cool. So those are the two main bases that they're using. Yeah, so molasses, sugarcane, or sugarcane juice. Mm-hmm. Um, you could use uh, just sugar too, right? You could if it comes from the sugarcane plant, yeah. Yeah, you not, could use not the beet sugar though. Right, okay. no, not beet. So they have some uh, protective uh, restrictions on what can be called rum or on or rum. Exactly. Awesome. Well, uh, rum fire. Now, I'm, I'm thinking the fire part is, hopefully it's not like hot peppers. <laughs> it says overproof and it's white. So um, I'm going to say that you said it was, what, 63% alcohol, 126 proof? Exactly. Yeah. All the right. rum fire name is interesting. It comes from the Hamden Distillery. And um, I think I haven't learned the full history of the, the name of the rum, but it is flammable. Oh, this is, I just tasted it. That is the most beautifully flavorful, balanced white rum with overproof I've ever had. I can see why you want to launch it. It's absolutely delicious. It's got so much flavor. It doesn't taste like alcohol, but I hope it does a trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the big misconceptions about overproof uh, spirits, particularly in the rum world, is that they have no flavor. They just taste like neutral grain alcohol, whereas in uh, authentic made rums, you have the flavor distilled into it. So that 100% pot still, that long fermentation, that kind of authentic, okay. real rum. Yeah, it's really good. Um, uh, I've got another rum here. We're going to try the Clément, and this says uh, Rum Vieux Agricole. It's from the island of Martinique, which was a French colony. Uh, and this is Barrel Select. Exactly. All yeah. right. Sugar cane, sugar juice, or molasses? Yeah, yeah. sugar cane juice, fermented distilled mm. comes off at a very low distillate which gives holds a lot of the esters a lot of the character of that sugarcane juice and in in this case you're talking about a rum aged a minimum of three years in kind of selected young oak sometimes yeah. they use french limousine so it still has some of that bright oak character coming through but holds a lot of those fruits a lot of that i that just tasted thing. it nick why don't you take a taste and tell me what you think this uh these are beautiful rums you you picked well sir yeah, you know, this rum reminds me a lot of, of cognac in a way. It has a lot of delicacy and um, those floral aromas. And I think for rum agricole, that's a kind of connecting thread is the cognac tradition, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, they got a good start. So um, I like how they uh, trained those folks down in Martinique. Um, so well, I got a quick question. Where does the color from um, come from in rum? Is it is it all from oak, or do they add some color to? Well, when we're not talking about flavored or spiced rums, we're talking about the color coming from the aging process. Um, there is some uh, standard caramel additives used in some rums to standardize yeah. the color. Uh, but in the case of, of rum Clement and the appellation, and it's one of the most strict uh, rums produced as far as process, there's no additives at all. So, yeah, it's an AOC, right? Martinique exactly. is an Appalachian, uh, an origin controlé. Yeah. It is it, France. It's yeah. the the westernmost AOC. Yeah, there you it's go. Trivia. Trivia. All right. So, um, delicious. What does that cost? The Clement Select Barrel, sixty-five, eighty-five. Nah, nah, rum rum's very very undervalued in my perspective. So, really good value, about thirty to forty dollars. Uh, that is sweet. All right, uh, we just got two minutes here. Uh, what's about the Solera? Solera is actually their uh, method of uh, fractionalized. Yeah, method of aging. So it's based off of the you know from Hereth from Spain, how they age their sherries. So just as you would think, uh, it's a it's a blend of rums aged an average of 12 years so yeah. it's got rums all the way up to 18 years rums all the way down to 8 to 10 years so yummy 
And yeah. uh, that is really the most um, generous and sort of polished. Uh, what other words would you use to describe this, Nick? Mm. Fireplace rum. <laughs> yeah, it's Bear a great rum. 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 <laughs> cigars, cigars. Get some very wide on the turntable. Yeah, mm-hmm. hey, smooth. <laughs> You're good at that. Uh, so fun. Um, so uh, Nick Ferris, you have an event coming up. Uh, let's tease it real quick. So we're doing a fundraiser to help benefit the sugarcane workers in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of a dark story that I think we're going to be going yeah, into a little bit more. Yeah, we're going to jump until we come back. Uh, these rums will be there. Where's the event? The event is on May 25th at the Nectar Lounge over in Fremont. Oh, right on. Yeah. And uh, how do you get tickets? You can just go and get them at the door. No tickets required. All right. $20 admission. Gets a full plate of food. We're going to have live bands, Seahawk players, may even have some belly dancers. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, yeah, okay. Well, uh, get your rum on. Uh, uh, not at Roomba, it's at uh, Nectar. So, uh, hey, folks, um, we're tasting some rum, but we're going to talk about the real issue with uh, these fine spirits and how it affects our earth and the people who produce it. So stick around. We'll be right back here on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle, hope you're having a good time. Something great in your glass. Uh, I've got, you know, i got a host of glassware here with all sorts of fun stuff. I got Nick Davis from MediumPlus.com in the house, and he helps me learn deductive tasting methodology. And now it's Nicholas Ferris who started RumCollective.com and uh, sharing some really, really tasty rums. Um, And I'm a big rum fan, so uh, you uh, started off with our first meeting today. And we're talking about an event you have. Um, Rum is made by processing sugarcane. And then, um, you know, when you do sugarcane, apparently there's a lot of burning involved. So how rum is made, usually it's it's harvested either by hand, depending on how wealthy the company is, so workers getting out there, cutting the cane, or it's harvested by harvesters, so large machines that are cutting very efficiently, doesn't require a lot of manpower, does the job efficient. All right, so it's a cane, so it, I mean like bamboo, right? Right, it's a grass, uh, so it's really tall, it's uh, dangerous, you know, when you're cutting, so you have to worry about... Uh, scorpions, rats, you know, machetes. <laughs> rats. <laughs> there is huh? some burning going on uh, in certain places, but All right. yeah, it's a dangerous job. So um, I would imagine large, rich companies uh, using a, um indigenous labor force to, uh, well, to make profits. Is this one of the issues? What's the, what's the problem with rum? One of the problems with rum that, and the kind of the, the reason behind our fundraiser is that uh, indigenous workers, workers who don't have... Um, whether they're illiterate or there's corruption, but they're being exploited. Uh, they're having work conditions because there is no other options for work to where they're working in high heat, becoming very dehydrated. Their their source for water may not be great, may not be available, and they're running into medical conditions along the line. In, in this case, in Central America, in particular in Nicaragua, um, the sugarcane workers are developing chronic kidney disease and dying at a very high rate. Wow, what's that from? Is that from a fertilizer or pesticide or something? Or um, it 
it's unknown exactly what uh, toxin is harming the kidneys, but it's in the setting of dehydration and, and yeah. chronic dehydration and uh, any kind of any kind of thing to upset the balance in the dehydration state over long periods of time involving you know very young workers. And so you're doing a fundraiser, which uh, I certainly appreciate. Now, are we trying to fund a solution or fund some lobbyists to help, uh, you know, create, instill some government restrictions or control over how labor practices are held? Exactly. So we're doing we're doing a lot of that. There's a legal group who's affiliated and works with La Isla Foundation, a nonprofit called Pase. It's a bunch of attorneys, and they provide direct free legal aid to these workers once they're sick so that they can go in, get their social security benefits for, you know, what they deserve. They're on the right, you know, on the job injuries. Interesting. Nick, have you aware of this? Yeah, I've, I've heard about it and there's been some controversy uh, nationwide in the last six months or so. Name some Nicaraguan uh, distilleries. So there's there's only one San Ingenio and okay. that makes the... Uh, that. That makes their principal export rum in the area, mm-hmm. Florida Cana rum. That's oh, kind yeah, of the yeah. rum where right. I've had that one. Uh, is associated with with a lot of these sugarcane workers being harmed. All right. So again, the event is uh, May twenty fifth. May twenty fifth. Thursday. Five. May twenty fifth. Wednesday. Wednesday. May twenty fifth. Yeah. Five p.m. till close at the Nectar Lounge. It's a twenty dollar admission, and I'm partnering with uh, Lou Amwerson of Mojito. He's going to be on the grill. Doing all the food. We've got bartenders from Rumba, Jim Romdahl, Jason Alexander from Tacoma Cabana. We've got several live bands. Uh, there's going to be raffle, silent auction. 100% of the the money raised is all going to this legal group, Passe. Uh, Josephine Weinberg, the attorney from New York, is going to be flying in. Wow, very yeah. cool. And um, how many subscribers do you have to RumCollective.com? Oh, it's countless. Is it countless? <laughs> That's I, I don't. I don't keep track. How many uh, rums do you have in your portfolio at home? Mm, I lost count a while ago, but my wife uh, <laughs> is, is not very happy if I was to mention that number online. But my home away from home, which is uh, Rumba, who actually loaned us the rums for oh. for the tasting because I I wasn't able to get home. Uh, so a shout out to them, but. Uh, I have more rum than them. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, great stuff. And, uh, folks, if you want to sort of help, if you want to directly benefit um, poor poor workers who um, hey, take great pride in their craft but are being uh, mistreated by uh, the mean corporation, uh, check out May 25th. So no tickets online, right? Just go to the door, and there's plenty of room? Plenty of room. All right. We're, we're expecting... By the hundreds. Okay, great. Well, um, I wish I could be there, but I will be somewhere else. And hey, Nick Davis, uh, thanks so much for sharing your expertise at MediumPlus.com. Thanks for having me. Yep. And uh, Nicholas Ferris, um, good stuff. Uh, Let's stay in touch. I'm a big rum fan, so if you want to go go through your catalog with me, yeah, we can (laughs) can do some regular some time. All right, uh, folks. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Um, We're talking about deductive theory, so check out uh, MediumPlus.com and TheRumCollective.com. Um, I look forward to seeing you next week at Saturday night, 6 o'clock. And again, if you ever miss a show uh, or if you want to share it with your friends, uh, check out happyhourradio.net. Look for the uh, Rosé Revival at Ray's on May 26th. And always remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.